All-American Chelsea Podcast. Three to two victory to open up Stanford Bridge. podcast i am your host i am the captain the leader the legend and most importantly i am your boy christian bringing you all things all american chelsea what an amazing first half of football that was yes i know i know we had our defensive issues but god damn that was an entertaining first half of football oh man just a, just like the atmosphere, the vibe. I mean, yes, I'm watching it on TV, but I can feel it. I can actually feel the energy coming through the TV. God damn, like, those are the matches that I wish, that I wish that I could be a part of live in person. So, what's going on, everybody? This is the Arsenal, well, Chelsea versus Arsenal uh, post-match review. I recorded it yesterday with the homie Mo from Arsenal Fan TV. Um, I wanted to get him on the podcast to get his perspective, his opinion on the match. Um, I'm always interested because we, we, we play these games against the opposition so i want to get his opinion on what happened in the match and i think you guys are going to enjoy the podcast um i'm going to be honest with you i was thinking to myself i'm like damn if he comes on here and starts talking mad shit and if he starts going in on chelsea like how am i going to react to that and i i I honestly i didn't know how i was going to react to it if he took that route but i i gotta tell you guys um and you're gonna hear it in the interview that mo couldn't be more of a gentleman um on my podcast he had his points yes he is biased towards arsenal as we are biased towards chelsea i mean you know we have our reasons why we know that our club He's the best club on planet Earth, and he has his reasons why he believes the way he believes about his club. But the man um, couldn't have been more respectful. 
in sharing his opinions with me on my podcast. Uh, you know, yes, he comes from Arsenal Fan TV, but, you know, we're at the end of the day, we're all supporters and all humans, um, and the dude couldn't have been more of a gentleman. So, I'm interested in you, for you guys to hear, uh, the interview that I had with him, and I want to know, please get at me, uh, let me know if this is something that you guys want to continue hearing, uh, the opposition's perspective. This week, I have already scheduled in the books on Friday. You guys are going to hear an interview with Kyle from Newcastle Fan TV. Uh, we're going to talk about the, po- the, the pre-match versus uh, Newcastle this weekend on Sunday, the 26th. So, without further delay, here's the interview with Mo from Arsenal Fan TV, and I'll hit you guys up after the interview. All right, everybody, I have the man himself, um, Mo from Arsenal Fan TV. I, I, I can't even tell you guys what this interview um, means uh, to my podcast. Uh, Mo, I'm sure everybody who's listening to this knows exactly who Mo is and who exact or what exactly Arsenal Fan TV is, and uh, I, I I understand that a lot of you, um, we we all kind of got to Arsenal Fan TV and it's become like a like a meme of sorts because of the the, the, the personalities and the characters that have been on that that are on that uh, on that channel. But at least for me, um, in my perspective, Arsenal Fan TV is the gold standard when it comes to fan um, channels. It it really is. Uh, Going back to when the Mo, when you guys were uh, having a little bit of that drama with uh, Gary Neville, um, if you guys go to the interview, you will see me commenting well before I even thought. Of having a podcast, you'll see a comment from me there in 100% support for the channel and for what you guys have done for the supporters. Um, there's nothing but respect for for Arsenal Fan TV. Whether it it doesn't matter that it's a competitor's a, a, a another team's channel, nothing amount of respect. And then with, uh, within that, that, we can have a friendly banter. But what you guys have done over there. Is the gold standard when it comes to fan channel. I, I'm I'm an American. Uh, the big sports here are NFL, NBA, NHL, and to be quite honest, while most of my my passion and most of my time and attention is with the Premier League with football, um, I've personally have because I have gone looking for something similar in the NFL in the NBA, and there's nothing like it. There's nothing like what you guys have built at Arsenal Fan TV. So I want to give you guys, first and foremost, you and everybody there, the most amount of respect I can possibly have. Thank you very much for, for coming in. No worries. <laughs> Mo, so, um, so for the listeners of my podcast who aren't familiar of, with, with who you are, can you give, give us a little bit of an intro on who is Mo? Well... Just a few words. I'm an Arsenal fan. That's it. You know, it's just uh, it's just just a guy that goes to games and like everyone, every single fan, no matter where they are, whether they're you know at the stadium, whether they're you know across the Atlantic or wherever they are, 
after you watch the game, you want to talk about it. You either go on about how good it was or you complain to your friends or whatever about how bad it is. And that's what I do. Only difference is I do it on uh, Arsenal Fan TV and, you know, quite a few people um, listen to it. So, yeah, that's it. That's me. That's awesome. Um, how, how I, I guess, I mean, it is a dumb question, but uh, when did you... When did when, when did you come to Arsenal? Like like have you been a fan all your life? Or are you like me that maybe you were exposed to Arsenal a little bit later in your life? Uh, you know, as a kid, as a teenager, or were you just born with with your heart beating for Arsenal from the beginning? Well, it's a difficult one because you know when um, when people talk about how they started supporting a team, especially in England, the most common answer is you know your parents that whoever your dad or your mum or whatever it might be supported. Uh, you just start supporting them, or it's your local team. For me, I was born in Milton Keynes, which um, some of you might know of Milton Keynes Dodds. So Milton Keynes was a, a, a city set up about 50-odd years ago, so we didn't have a local team when I was born. Now it obviously has a local team, and that's done in very controversial circumstances because um, they moved Wimbledon to Milton Keynes. But in any case, that was a long time after I was born. So when I was born, I didn't have a local team, uh, you know, one I didn't have an option for a local team, you know, it didn't exist. And then the other thing is that my parents, you know, they they moved from Pakistan to, to England. So they did not really like football. They weren't into football. My dad or my mum didn't really care for it. So I didn't have an influence in that respect either. Also, I didn't have any extended family in the country. It was literally just me, my two sisters and my parents. So it wasn't even like I had an uncle or an auntie or someone like that that would uh, be able to influence me. So I just... I didn't really have football pushed upon me. It was just, um, you know, as I went to school and started playing, I thought, yeah, I quite like this game or whatever. And then as far back as I can remember, my earliest memory of really, when I look back on it now, my earliest memory was in 1993. Arsenal played Sheffield Wednesday in the League Cup final and the FA Cup final in the same year. We won both and did the domestic cup double. And I just remember being really, really eager for Arsenal to win those games. So given that I can't remember anything before that, I don't actually know how I started supporting Arsenal or what happened, but I, I'm taking a very good guess here and saying that it was Ian Wright because I loved Ian Wright. You know, he was my absolute hero. He still is my absolute hero. People say never meet your heroes. I've been lucky enough to meet him on multiple occasions and he's just, he's a legend, you know, absolute legend. Um, so I don't know when I started supporting Arsenal, but that's my earliest memory. Nice, nice. That That's... That's, you know, like for me, like I, I got into Chelsea football. I mean, shit, I'm about to put myself out here. I guess, <laughs> I guess. Oh, and that's another thing too. Mo, um, if you're welcome, this is a podcast. You're welcome to say any single word in the alphabet, <laughs> any single <laughs> word in the dictionary. This is, this is our show. So, um, I became a Chelsea. I mean, when you think about a plastic fan, I, I think. I think I, right from the beginning, I might tick all those boxes, but I started following Chelsea football uh, 2010. Yeah. So uh, it was right after the World Cup. I see the English team. I see, you know, the names Lampard, John Terry, Ashley Cole, Joe Cole on this team. And I start playing FIFA. And I'm yeah. looking for a team. I'm looking for a team. My favorite color is blue. I land on Chelsea. I land with all these names that I remember from the from the World Cup, and yeah. from then on, I just um, I've had a passion for Chelsea football. 
uh, and for Chelsea Football Club. And fortunately for me, I guess, that my timing was right after our Champions League victory. That sealed it, right? Right then and there. Yeah. And I, I've just been all, all on board. And the way I like to describe it to, to everyone is... Um, you meet your significant other in the library, at a bar, wherever, wherever. You meet that person later in life. It's not like you met them at their birth. You meet them later in their life and you love them. You fall in love with them mm-hmm. from that moment. And just because you didn't have a history with that person from their birth, like their family does till that moment, doesn't mean you don't love them as much or any less or, you know. Yeah. It, 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 so uh, for me, that's what I feel for Chelsea Football Club, and then pair that up with the decline of my local American football team, the Miami Dolphin, Dolphins. It, it, it was kind of like a recipe for for success <laughs> for the for Chelsea, and a recipe for disaster for American football. So, all right. So, Mo, we are here to discuss yesterday's uh. 3-2 victory for Chelsea. Um, and I wanted to get you on here to kind of get your your perspective. Uh, yeah, go, go ahead, go yeah. ahead, go ahead, my man. Yeah, so look, the first thing I'll say about, um, about the game yesterday is that, you know, God, it's the oldest saying in the book, isn't it? But it really was a game of two halves. First half was brilliantly entertaining and, you know, just an amazing game. Second half was a lot more closed. Then there was definitely a massive change in um, in the tactics that the managers employed. Obviously, we made a halftime sub and, and that sort of thing. And um, substitutions, I think, were important in shaping the game. But the, the thing that a lot of Arsenal fans were saying, and it, you, you hear this all the time, and it's a strange bit of football logic that people use but they they you know a lot of Arsenal fans have said oh Arsenal deserved to win because look at the chances we had and it's one of those things where I don't see how you can I I must have done this in the past as well because I understand it on in some respects but why is it that no one ever says oh we deserve to win because um you know it was just a couple of defensive mistakes that cost us no one ever says that but when it comes to not putting your chances away people say that oh yeah just those finishing mistakes uh, we can just exclude that from the overall performance and then claim that moral victory i don't really buy that I'm, I'm sick of hearing that with arsenal because we're not clinical enough as a team and finishing your chances is just as important as you know keeping the goals out on the other side so i think chelsea did deserve to win and and they deserve to win primarily because of the fact that arsenal didn't take their chances had we taken our chances and you know we as in, you know, had we taken our chances, I think it would have been a deserved victory for us. But it's all part of the game, and we didn't take our chances, so therefore we didn't deserve to win. But what I'll take from it is that going to Chelsea, it's not an easy place to go to, and we gave ourselves the opportunity to win. And that has been very different from previous years, where we never were even in the game. We were never even sniffing a chance of victory. On this occasion, I'm just glad that actually we had enough going about us going forward to um, to get that victory. And on this occasion, we didn't do it, which is annoying for us. But I think um, if you look at our team, our attacking players are just brilliant. You know, they, they'll take care of themselves in a way. It's just the defensive unit and the overall system, the overall kind of tactical unit that Emery is trying to uh, build at Arsenal. That will just take a little bit of time. So I'm not too disheartened because when I looked at the fixtures at the start of the season, I thought we'd be in the position that we're in. 
it doesn't make it easy to accept, but ultimately, you know, we are where we are and I'm almost writing this season off anyway and I'm expecting Arsenal to finish sixth. And if you look at our results so far, we've lost two games against, you know, uh, teams that are going to be in the top six. So yeah, we're on par for that sixth place finish and we, and, and to remain on par, we just have to go and beat West Ham in our next game. So yeah, uh, that's it really. Just disappointed that we didn't take our chances because this could be a very different conversation. No, I, I actually, um, I agree with that. Um, in my, I was bouncing around between three different group chats and I had the first half, uh, you guys should have been up 4-2, minimum, yeah. minimum. Yeah. Anybody yeah. who doesn't believe that or doesn't recognize that, they're watching a completely different game. Um, you, you, you guys should have been up 4-2. Um, I wanted to ask you, because one thing, I, I've watched the game back already three times. I, I always do that once live. I let it digest, and then I go back um, a couple hours later, and then I just watched it again this morning. I wanted to ask you, I, one thing that I noticed, especially in the first half, was that you guys relied on Bellerin to play out wide um, and, to, and, and, to, and to almost make up for the fact that you didn't necessarily sign a winger. Does that, do you think that plays into, like, how do you feel about that? Like, like what, what, are your, what is your opinions on that? And how do you think it played into the, fa- into the tactics for this game? Well, I think Bellerin was asked to do a hell of a lot in the game, uh, you know, both attacking and defensively against you guys. And unfortunately, I, I don't think that, you know, it was a flawless performance from him. The, the thing is with uh, Bellerin, I prefer to really kind of not scapegoat him because, you know, I, I feel as though he was brilliant when he kind of first came in the team and, and he's still a very young player, but, you know, he's very experienced. So we do have high expectations of him. But I don't actually think he's... Um, really had a lot of defensive coaching from what I can see at Arsenal. Mm. So I, I think that he struggles to find that balance when he's roaring forward. He struggles to find that balance that Ashley Cole, as much as I hate to say it, was an absolute master of in terms of making sure he fulfills his defensive responsibilities. And I don't think he did fulfill his defensive responsibilities. And um, if you contrast that to Alonso yesterday, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was, you know... Um, Rightly, he got man of the match, and um, it it was almost a performance that I want to see Bellerin uh, pull out the bag. But look, with with Hector, there's uh, a, a lot of people will know that he came out and spoke about Arsenal fan TV, and he wasn't very complimentary about it. And I think after that, he's um, he's taken a lot of stick on Arsenal fan TV, and you know, I I don't really take it that personally. The fact that he doesn't like the channel, or whatever, I don't really care. I'm not going to go and criticise him because I've got a uh, vendetta against him or anything. I think he's a hugely talented player. I'm desperate to hang on to him, but I do think he needs to step up his game and we do need to see some serious improvement uh, on, on the defensive side of things from him. Yeah, I, I, on the uh, watching it back, I mean, even watching um, last week where you guys were playing against Manchester City, I, one of the notes that I took for that game, I was like, uh, Bellerin is not going to have a good time he had to cover Sterling last week, um, which I think the goal uh, that Sterling scored wasn't his fault. I think that was all uh, Ganduzi's fault. Because um, okay. he, I, I felt like Bellerin did the right thing. He pushed him into his help. Um, but paired that up 
with this week where he was going. Yes, he he was he was doing a great job offensively going forward, um, but he was had a rough go in the back end. And one, I wanted to get your 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 thoughts on one thing that I I wanted to say, kind of give Arsenal a little bit of credit on for yesterday's performance is that you guys have three injuries in defense. Um, you have Koscielny hurt, Kalasinac hurt, yeah. Kalasinac. I, I, I really think he's built um for the wrong sport. That man is built yeah. like an animal. He's built to play linebacker in the NFL. He's an animal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maitland Lyles. This guy, this kid deserves uh he 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 deserves a round of applause. He played four minutes last week. Four minutes on a broken leg. Plus, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, um, I think I heard Claude mention that you had Monreal. Was still he still wasn't match fit? Uh, was he carrying an injury going into this game? I actually don't know what the deal is with Monreal. You know, he um, didn't really take part in any of the preseason friendlies and that sort of thing. But um, but you know, I I really do think all of these things are just excuses. I, I'm not mm. really interested in that because when you look at the people that we had out on the pitch. It's not as if um, it's not as if Chelsea played amazing football to um, to kind of take advantage of the fact that yeah we might have not have our first choice out. Even the players that were out on the pitch, they should have been able to deal with a lot of your very simple attacks. So um, you know when uh, look, I, I think we can all accept Man City are on a different level. When we're playing Absolutely. Man City, when we're playing Man City, I can accept that if they play through us, there's nothing that any any of our defenders can do. But Let's take your first goal uh, yesterday. Such a simple, simple attack. And, you know, we just vacated all defensive responsibility. So things like that, I, I'm not really interested in excuses. I think maybe as an Arsenal fan, I've, I've made a lot of excuses for my team in the past. And, and then you just kind of realise that, actually, you know, there's a much bigger issue here. And it is an overarching um, mentality thing and a lack of defensive uh, know-how. And I'm just I'm just being patient in this period where, where Emery's you know in his first few games, and in fact his first season I, I have to continually remind myself to be patient because I trust that he will improve us defensively and we'll see less and less of that. But um, you know old habits die very hard and it's not going to happen anytime soon. Well, um, well, speaking on Emery, what did you think about his um, his appointment? Was that the guy that you were actually? glad to sign or did you have any ideas for somebody else i it's funny actually because my first choice was um uh, allegri my second choice was diego simeone and my third choice was actually your guy Maurizio sari so i emery on for me wasn't really on the radar right i i kind of feel like you know he's a good solid person you can't complain with his appointment but it didn't have me excited it didn't have me buzzing well, obviously, look, I'm not part of that recruitment process. And, um, you know, from, you from what email. we heard, <laughs> unfortunately, no, I wasn't on the panel. But, you know, from from what we heard in the club, um, there was a real energy in the room and real excitement. He was incredibly well prepared um, for the interviews and, and, and he aced it. So, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, unhappy with the appointment at all. I think, you know, he's a very he's got a good CV and it's a good caliber manager. But. When I look at the football that Sari had Napoli playing, that would really excite me. And, and, and I think you guys are being written off a bit too soon, really, because, you know, people have said that 
Arsenal and Chelsea, if you look at the game that we played yesterday, both of us are way too short. We're both too open to a way too short in terms of that um, champion kind of level. And uh, I, I think that is the case for Arsenal, definitely. I don't think that we've got... Um, the organisation that we need, and, and I think that will come in time, hopefully. But with Chelsea, I actually feel like if Sarri can stamp his um, mark on Chelsea, you could be one hell of a team. Let's not forget, you know, with Napoli, he was giving Juventus a real run for their money. I don't think that anyone's going to challenge Man City for the title this year. Actually, I, Liverpool could have a chance, but I think Man, City, Man City's consistency will just show again. But um, Sarri, for me, is is my, was my third choice. and. Um, I'm a little bit envious of you guys. <laughs> well, I, I don't, I don't, uh, again, uh, like I said, I wasn't going to bring you on here to, uh, to rub anything in or anything like that. So we'll, we'll just leave those statements as you said them. So, um, sure. but what about you? Were you happy when you got sorry? <sighs> I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, my, my, my perspective is a little bit different. I am happy that we got sorry. Now, Am I happy because I've studied Napoli for the last three years and I studied uh, Sarri's system and his intricacies and I was excited to bring his tactics and his style of play to Stanford Bridge? No. Uh, if I said so, I would be a, a, a liar. What I'm happy about is uh, what I hope is a shift in the way Chelsea conducts business. Too I was too tired of us going after our first choice, us going after our third choice, us going after our third, uh, our second choice, and then our third, and then we end up with somebody else. So when the whole talk of we're getting sorry, I was pissed off that it took so long for us to get sorry, and I was extremely pissed off on the the talk of getting um uh what what's this called Lauren Blanc. Okay. So, but but again, it wasn't it wasn't because I was comparing tactics for tactics. It was more so. All right, guys, we 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 expect to be a, a an elite club. So when you're an elite club, there shouldn't be anybody that is out of your league. There shouldn't be anybody that um, that you can't sign. So if you put a marker down and saying I want this guy, and for whatever reason you come up short and you sign somebody else, then I look at that as that's where I had my issues. That's where I was upset. But um, doing my research, now that sorry, well, once sorry was appointed, I was very happy on that we got somebody that that's being an attack-minded uh, offense and attack-minded um, style of play to Stanford Bridge after so many years sure. of playing defense, of playing you know, Mourinho-style football, where parking the bus, Antonio Conte, where where there was just... I loved Antonio Conte's passion of him diving into the crowd the first season that we had him, the, the, the madman. But last season, where I just felt like, quite honestly, he... He shit the bed. Like, he, I, can't, I can't put it to you any other terms that he, he put himself above the club and and as much as i had love for him to me the most important thing is what's on your chest what's on the what's on that shirt is the crest and that crest is over your heart for a reason and that's what's most important not anybody who's accompanying or occupying their time and space at the club for that moment because they leave i remain the crest remains forever 
So yeah. those are those, those, that's my opinion um, and my take on the whole situation. Well, I mean, I I um, I really actually liked Antonio Conte. I, I hated Mourinho, and uh, a lot of people would know that I've given Chelsea a real hard time in Arsenal fan TV in the past. I don't like Chelsea. Just that's just the way it is. <laughs> but um, I I especially hated them when Mourinho was in charge playing that horrible brand of football. And then when uh, Conte came to Chelsea, it was a bit it was a bit of a shock for me because I thought actually, do you know what? That's a Chelsea manager, and I really like him. And and the football that you played, I, I thought was fantastic. I, I especially loved the two-two uh, against Tottenham, <laughs> which really made me enjoyed that better. The bridge, but oh, with Conte as well, I just thought to myself, you know, he, he's a very likable, very charming guy. Get and he's got you playing some amazing football. And in his first year, he won the um, Premier League, got to the final of the FA Cup, and I just thought, wow, they've got a great manager in their hands. Second year. Some things obviously happened behind the scenes. Obviously, some players weren't happy with him and that sort of thing. Um, yet, he still got you to an F- He still won you an FA Cup. And I, and I look back on that and I think to myself, imagine, you know, first season, FA Cup runners-up, Premier League winners, second season, FA Cup winners, and you've let him go. I, I think it's madness. So, when Arsenal needed a new manager, I obviously knew it wasn't going to happen. But just on a hypothetical basis, I thought to myself, you know, what if we got Conte and what would my reaction be? And I thought, actually, you know, I'd be very happy. So um, I'm very surprised you got rid of him. And I, I really liked him as a, as a manager and actually liked the style of football. I thought it was pragmatic, but I thought overall you were very worthy winners when you won the league and you played a very good brand of football. And he used um, your top players in a very good way. You know, I thought Hazard was exceptional that season, as was Conte. No, I, I but, thought... Uh, yeah, that's yeah. just the way Chelsea do business. <laughs> yeah, you know... I just wish that I wish that our the way we did business um, for some players, which I think we're carrying a little bit of dead weight, a lot of dead weight. I think we have like six players that I wish that uh, Roman Abramovich was a little bit more ruthless the way he is for managers with these players. And the same goes for some members of the board. I wish he was as ruthless with them um, as he is with with uh, managers. But you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. Um, I, I loved, I loved Conte. I loved the passion that he showed, the diving into the crowd. However, there was things that bubbled up in his time with us. That whole uh, yeah. Diego Costa situation. Mm. I understand. I understand that you know there's you're the manager and you need to be the number one. You need to be the alpha dog. I get that. But the way that that situation played out, I can't like that. That leaves a, a sour taste in my mouth. Um, his whole pouting about uh, not getting transfers throughout the year. I think there was some lineups that he put together that were that that they were purposely put there to self destruct the team. Some of the lineups that he Whoa. picked towards the end of the season is like, what are you doing, man? We need to win this game. I, if I'm not mistaken, it was Huddersfield at home. Where we drew one one, again yeah. we should have won. They, they, the lineup. I remember feeling. I don't. Want, I, I. I'm not one of these guys that I can think back in my mind and tell you exactly who started and what was the substitutions. I'm not that guy. However, I remember feeling when I saw the lineups and I and, and just the way that game played out. I'm like, there's no way that you set up that team for us to win with an opportunity for us to go into the top four when you know everybody knew what top four meant to this club going into this summer. And the way he put 
that team together, I, I was convinced. I was convinced, and not even Antonio Conte himself can convince me otherwise that he didn't do some things. To, I, I wouldn't go as far as I know. It's a little bit of hyperbole to say that he self-destructed, um, or he blew up the team or sabotaged the team on purpose. But if I had a conversation with him, he was trying to convince me otherwise. It wouldn't be a short one. It would be a very yeah. long conversation. I mean, it's interesting though, but because this pattern. Um has occurred with Chelsea many, many times where there's sort of a mutiny with the players they and they force a manager out. You know, there was obviously issues with Mourinho. There was issues with Andre Villas-Boas. Um, it's, just, it's a very strange one with, with Chelsea. And it seems like there's a lot of player power. I actually heard that with Chelsea, there's an interesting story, that with Andre Villas-Boas, he um, obviously came in and... You know, was very highly rated and stuff, and the players just didn't take to him. And they and on, he had some certain rules. Um, and the players, they they really worked to undermine him. They basically said uh, he said to them, "You have to be um, in the training ground by this time or whatever." And generally, I think from what I've heard, they used to you know get along with each other, all the players, and they'd be quite sociable, and then come early, chill out, have breakfast together, that sort of thing. But when he set that rule, he um, if some of the players basically used to get to the training ground at the same time they'd always get, and if they, he had said to them, you have to be in by 9 a.m., otherwise you're getting a fine, they'd sit in their car until 8.58 and then walk in sort of thing, just to kind of undermine him a little bit, just to kind of say, yeah, we're, we're not fully behind you. Um, and then it seemed like, again, same thing happened with uh, Conte, where players were working to, you know, undermine him and same thing happened Mourinho and I just kind of feel so there's there's something about your club culture that it's a, it's a little bit strange to me but then on the other hand when we look at your recent successes well I guess when you have happy players they they perform so so it's hard to criticize as well because it's not like you're Tottenham where you've never won a bloody trophy in your lives and you're doing that sort of thing so something's obviously um, working in the way you do it but I just uh, I just think that given that his track record in two seasons, what he achieved, I just think it's crazy that you got rid of a manager with that sort of talent. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to, to, it's hard for me to, to, because I, I was somebody that was very, very upset that Mourinho was let go. Um, how'd you feel about that now? I, I, it's, I, I'm happy. I'm happy as hell, especially after today. I'm happy yeah. as hell. I, I, the only thing I'm praying, I'm keeping my hands together. I'm crossing. I'm praying left, right, and center all day, every day that he stays in that position past the January um, transfer window and they keep uh, failing. And some players start pushing their way out. Hopefully, somebody like an Anthony Marshall starts forcing his way out. Um, yeah. And that we somehow, some way, land a player of his caliber. Um, because, I, I I mean, well, for the listeners that don't know, United lost today 3-1 to... Uh, it was 3-2 Brighton. in the end. Oh, 3-2. They, you know, there, was the last, yeah. there was the last second goal. 3-2 to Brighton Hove Albion. Um, so I'm hoping, and I, and I think in, in, in the same thing with the Conte situation, I am a hundred percent convinced that we'd be minus Eden Hazard if Antonio Conte was still the manager. Um, and, and a talent like that, you cannot let go. You cannot let go. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, we all know he's going to go eventually. 
Of course, eventually. Real Madrid will get there, man. I, but I don't think they're going to get a 29-year-old. I really don't think they're going to spend the amount of money that Chelsea will require for a 29-year-old player. Especially I think Real Madrid will get them. Real Madrid always get them, man. But that's just the way I see it. I, I think they'll. I think he'll go there eventually. But you know what? He he has said that he's not going to leave this month. But the fact that he's coming out and saying I'm not going to leave this month, um, I, I just those rumors are dangerous. It, it's just I you know, it's just very. It, I, I've had it as an Arsenal fan for God's sake. We've you know the those two Spanish clubs have relentlessly taken our players, or especially Barcelona for Arsenal. And, um, yeah, I think you just have to resign yourself to, to accepting the reality here. Also, the other thing that I always try and um, be honest about is that, look, these, aren't, these players aren't local lads. It's not like Jack Wilshere, for example, at Arsenal, who didn't want to leave. You know, uh, obviously, I'm not saying that Real Madrid came in for him. You know, yes. he, he, was, he had to leave. But if Real Madrid came in for Jack Wilshere, for example, or Alex Iwobi, I'd be, um, and I don't, I'm not for a second suggesting that Real Madrid want or would ever want Wilshere or Iwobi. So, you know, calm down if, if any of your <laughs> listeners are kind of going, is he crazy? But what I'm just saying is that because they came from the academy, they're local guys. I have a higher expectation on them. But Eden Hazard, he didn't grow up supporting Chelsea. He doesn't care about Chelsea. Just how, you know, uh, there's a lot of Arsenal players that, didn't grow up supporting Arsenal that they play for Arsenal. So when, um, you know, a different club, club came calling and, you know, they had more money on the table and more chance of winning bigger trophies, then, yeah, they're going to go. And um, that's just the sad reality of it. So I, I wouldn't expect uh, Hazard to, to stay at Chelsea for too much longer, especially if uh, Man City continue to dominate this league because, you know, he's going to want to go and win trophies somewhere. I, I think... I think the key comes down to uh, this year. I'm not expecting us to uh, win the title at all. I'm expecting us to definitely secure, for me, if at the end of the season, this is May 20-whatever, and there's one game left, and we look back at the season, and we have 100% secured top four. Uh, We have developed sorry system to the point where we have something to look forward to. Uh, to a, a solid foundation to build on for next season, and um, and 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 Eden Hazard manages to somehow, uh, if we can get him to sign a long term contract, I think it would be an absolute success. Yes, pushing in the Europa League, but I mean the Europa League is fine. But you'll be able to speak on on the Europa League uh, and the experience of going to the Europa League. Let me ask you that question. As as Chelsea, who who won the Europa League back in two thousand and eleven and twelve, we won Champions League. So it'll be twelve and thirteen seasons. So two thousand thirteen. So we dropped out of the Champions League to then win the Europa League. Arsenal last season played throughout the Champions League. I mean the Europa League to lose to Atletico Madrid. How was that experience? As some as a as a as a as a, as a supporter going through about to go through the same experience that you guys went through last year yeah i mean us losing to atletico madrid was flipping inevitable it was um you know atletico madrid are the the one team that i think arsenal would always always lose against or not qualify against because they have got uh, so much know-how and, and their style of football i think is 
perfect to play against Arsenal. I think almost Arsenal have more chance against a team that actually um, ventures forward a little bit more and leaves themselves open because that's certainly what Arsenal do. And Atletico Madrid are very patient and they know Arsenal are going to make a mistake and they've got clinical players to take advantage when that happens. So that was kind of inevitable. But I'll tell you what, as, as a fan that goes to away games and you know even in Europe, um, it was brilliant from that point of view. You're getting to go to places that you haven't gone to before, explore new parts of um, you know Europe, and it was really, really good fun. But, uh, of course, you can't get away. I, I could never, ever convince myself that this is where I want to be. You know, even the best moments winning games in Europa League and, you know, getting to the semifinal or whatever. I was always just you know, thinking, yeah, great, you know, did well today. But, you know, we're, we're not dining at the top table. And it, and it really does suck. The other thing that annoys me about that is that um, we basically had to face teams with, of such a high caliber whilst year before that Man United they had to play Ajax to win in the final you know that, <laughs> that was the best team they played against and I, I just thought God you know we got so unlucky in some of the teams that were in um, in the Europa League but uh, look what can I say it's just it's just going to be frustrating if that happens again but from the offset this year, I wouldn't say we're the favourites. I think last year I was saying, yeah, Arsenal are the favourites and we have to wait and see what happens with the Champions League team. From the offset, I think you guys are the favourites. And then we'll, we'll wait and see whether it's a normal year in terms of who comes in for the Champions League or whether it's uh, a freak year again where, you know, we're getting really, really good cal- Champions League calibre teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I look forward to seeing. I, I, I'm more excited for the Europa League because it gives the youngsters a chance to play. Um... Guys like Callum Hudson-Odoi, who I think um, Hector Bellerin still looks under his bed to see in the closet to see if Hudson-Odoi is going <laughs> to pop out. Um, I, I think those guys are, have an amazing opportunity ahead of themselves to play in the Europa League. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just want to see. I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm... I need to win. I, I think Chelsea need to win the Europa League to have a successful season. I don't believe that. Um... I just hope that, you know, we make it through and it, it, it's just used as a tool to build um, build youngsters, get them more game time, and we build a solid foundation of sorry system and we move forward from there. So, Mo, back to back to yesterday's game. Um, what, what was that? I was just saying it's interesting this year that Arsenal and Chelsea have got exactly the same aims. You were talking about, you know, with one game to go, if you've secured top four, you've implemented new manager system, you've tied Hazard down to a new contract, and um, obviously you want progression in the Europa League. Same with Arsenal. I just want to see a top four finish would be great. I don't think we'll get it. I want to see Ramsey tied down to a new contract. I want to see Emery's philosophy, you know, becoming second nature to us. And I want to see us go and win the Europa League. So it'll be an interesting comparison between Arsenal and Chelsea this year to see who can go and deliver on these uh, desires. But obviously first blood to Chelsea. Yeah, no, no, no. I, um, I, going into this game, yesterday's game, I, I had, I was saying the same thing to myself. I said, Arsenal and Chelsea now more than ever have been are are very very similar i i yeah. give us the nod i i just felt that we were going to win yesterday um just simply, likewise yeah simply on the fact that while yes we have a new system we do have players um i just felt that our, our, i i just feel that our our talent is better on our end um 
So yeah, and also you're at home as well. It makes yeah, and we were at home. If, yes, yes. If Arsenal were at home, then I'd expect us to win. But you know, it, oh, it, could have gone either way. Yes. So now the first half as a neutral. Uh, one thing that I that 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 I was that I was while I was watching the first half, I was getting text messages from friends that are Barcelona fans, you know, Manchester City fans, Manchester United fans. Um, Real Madrid fans, and they were saying, "Wow, what a fun first half!" Um, yeah, and, and and I think we listen. The reason why we watch sports is it, there's a passion, yes, but part of it, you know, the drama of the sport, the drama of the game. If we knew, if you woke up every single morning, and you knew that you were gonna have X amount. The score was gonna be this. The you know again this and this and this was gonna happen. I don't think that we would. They, there would be such like a uh, an intrigue for each and every single yeah. game, an excitement. So halves like we saw yesterday were amazing. I personally thought when Morata scored the second goal in the twentieth minute, I thought we, I thought we were looking at a six zero five zero all over again. I, yeah, I, I was, was convinced. Worry. I was convinced with that. Yeah, that was the worry. But but you know, I, I do agree as fans we want to see entertaining football and that half was amazing. You know, they say it's a great advert for the Premier League. But the reality is, look, you know, I've I've watched my team win Premier League titles and and every season you see the team that wins the Premier League title. The one common factor between all the ti- all these title winning teams is that they don't lose many games, they don't concede many goals. And um, Arsenal have already lost two games. I think to win the title, you can maybe lose around four or five. We've lost two out of two. Um, Agreed. It's, it's not going to happen for us. And also, uh, so there's still a chance it can happen for Chelsea. But the one thing I would say is that if you're winning games 3-2, it's very, very different to winning games 1-0. And um, the, the problem is, you know, you want to play entertaining football. But if you're going to be as open as Arsenal and Chelsea were yesterday, None of us are going to be anywhere close. So as much as I enjoy watching that football, I want to see other teams do that. And I want to see Arsenal win, you know, the two nils and and be a lot more in control of moments in the game. Because I don't think Arsenal or Chelsea were in control. But I do think, um, in credit to Sarri, at halftime, he won the tactical battle. You were very, very narrow in your defensive work yesterday. Um, And because of that, Arsenal were able to get in behind you pull the ball back across the six-yard box relentlessly. And, you know, as we know, we should have scored, you know, quite a few more goals than we did. After half-time, I think it was two factors. I don't know what happened with Arsenal because it seemed like we were willing to um, almost, I wouldn't say accept the 2-2, but we we changed the approach that, that we, you know, had finished the half with quite strongly. And I, I think it was the wrong time to change the approach. Because I think we did need to change the approach because we were way too open. The game was, you know, too much of a coin toss. But given that the momentum was with us at that point, I think it should have been the case of like, go out and carry on. As soon as Chelsea get their spell, then yeah, we can close up our shape a little bit. But that that's what surprised me that Arsenal allowed that momentum to be taken away that we had built up at the end of the uh, first half. And we came out a different team in the second half. But I think Ch- uh, Chelsea, with Sarri's um, kind of just little shake-up of, of the way you were um, lining up, in you know, formation-wise, I think he really won that tactical battle. And uh, that, that kind of disappointed me because I was hoping that Emery would have that element of his game as a bit of a strong point. Because 
with Sari, he plays brilliant football, and you know, seen that in Napoli. But I haven't really ever seen much of a plan B from him. You know, it's just a case of he he has his players, his creative ones, and he allows them to express them, express themselves going forward, and, and they they do that. But yesterday, I actually saw, you know, a bit of um, you know, I saw him changing it up, and that that was frustrating because I thought that'd be Emery doing that. I thought I thought he was that sort of guy with. Um, you know, plan A, B, C, and D, but he, he shifted to a plan that I don't think was appropriate. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing with Sari as well, just whilst we're on it, as much as I wanted him, the, the one concern I have with him is that he is he is like Pochettino in a way. He plays brilliant football, but he's never, ever won anything. And I just wonder if yesterday's game was an indication as to why that is, because to win something is, is you know, it's not a purist thing to say, but it has got to be off the back of a brilliant defence. Otherwise, you're always working against yourself because, you know, it's much easier to, to score just, you know, the one goal and, and hold out than it is to have to go and fashion loads of chances and uh, take risks and, you know, have to score multiple goals in a game. And uh, I, I almost feel as though maybe Sari is uh, lacking in that area. But it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to the Premier League, in a more competitive league, and whether he can tighten things up at the back. Well, I, I, um, I, there's a, there's a, I gotta, eventually I gotta bring this guy on. I have a, on the podcast, I have a very good friend of mine. He is a Juventus supporter. And I feel like every single episode of my podcast, I bring him up. Um, yeah. and he has no idea that I do a podcast. I, I, I okay. keep, I keep this very quiet, um, to those that outside of my intimate family. So one thing that he mentioned when we got started, he goes, dude, you guys are going to play beautiful football. Beautiful yeah. football. However, sorry, exactly what you just said. Sorry, in his opinion, um, had a very difficult time on winning 1-0, 2-0, that that very defensive game that we were accustomed to winning with, under Jose Mourinho. With, I mean, last year, Antonio Conte. Yeah. I was never confident any time that we went up 1-0 with Antonio Conte, but... I, more so under Jose Mourinho. If we went up 1-0, and God forbid we went up 2-0, I knew that was game over. Yeah, that was game, yeah. Game over. But but I, I'm interested to see, and that was one thing that I, again, that I wrote in my notes with you guys versus Manchester City. I noticed a, like, a tactical, like, I ha- you guys, I felt like we're everybody from... Obama Yang all the way down to Petrocek was put on skates by Manchester City in the first half. And for whatever reason, Emery got said something at halftime. You guys came out on the second half, and I felt like you guys were almost a, a completely different team. I, I felt like you guys, whatever he did tactically in the in the in the in the halftime against Manchester City, I was worried that I was gonna get the same, we were gonna get the same ident- identical response. Um and it was just not there. And then it didn't yeah. help that Eden Hazard came in and Kovacic came in in the 60th minute and really uh, changed everything for, for for us. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing. I mentioned substitutions earlier, and I think Hazard was a game changer. Some people have said, you know, they, they think it was Kovacic. You know, for me, look, you know, we don't need to think too deeply about it. It, it just was Hazard. He's one of the best players in the world. He is... Um, probably the second best dribbler of a football in the world to Lionel Messi. And he came on and just did what Hazard does. So 
you know, when you've got that sort of firepower on the bench, it's, um, you know, well, you know, it, it makes life very easy for a manager. It's a, you don't have to think too much about how to win this game. You just chuck him on, let him do his thing, and, and that's it. And then Alonso obviously was in the right place at the right time to go and do that. And in the second half, he managed to do that without forgetting about his defensive responsibilities. Um, it, it's funny. This is now the second time you've mentioned Alonso. Everything on my end with Alonso is he did amazing. I, get, I graded him an A going forward and a C- minus going back. I think both goals... Um, for me, he could have done much better, much better on. Yeah, I agree with that. But then in the second half, I thought he was brilliant. You know, he, in the second half, he didn't look dodgy defensively. And I think that's because uh, Sari's system in the first half was too narrow. So yes, in the second yes. half, it seemed, it seemed a lot better, a lot more balanced. And Alonso looked really good in that second half. So I think he was vindicated at the end of the game, especially scoring the goal. Yes, yes. It, it, you know, and, and, and it's funny that um, I am not... Uh... I wouldn't say I'm not Alonzo's biggest supporter, but I, I always feel like um, Emerson has the better tools of the two. He can go forward and he can come back. He's faster. He's way more skilled on the ball than Marcus Alonzo. But this is now two games where watching the game, I'm like, ugh, Marcus Alonzo made a mistake there. Marcus Alonzo made another mistake there. But watching it back, I'm like, damn, he had a better game than I thought he did. Uh, yeah. And and I think I'm going to end up coming to the realization that Marcus Alonso is the left back that we need for our team. I, I, I'm just, I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, if he keeps playing the way he's playing and he keeps making me say that he had a better game than what he really had uh, on the rewatching the games, then fine, no problem. But, I think the first half, you mentioned that we were narrow. The person that I think that was at fault, whether it's sorry that told him tactically or positionally to line up this way or not, I think it was William. William was so narrow, so narrow, especially on the second goal. Uh, uh, Bellerin picked up that ball and was already on the touchline and took off running and created a situation because William didn't, didn't get out there to cover. Created a situation where it forced uh, Marcus Alonso to make a decision. It kind of it kind of hesitated him uh, for when the ball came into the box. So I I I think that Willing. I don't know what his deal was. There was times where I saw him just standing, walking around, not really engaged. I don't know if he's tired. I don't know what it was. But as soon as Hazard came on, you saw a night and day difference. That. It's two guys playing the exact same position. And Hazard was being way more active than William. And, and, and I don't think it had to do with timing because William from the beginning, uh, about 10 minutes into the game, was had this like, uh, this added, like this, this uh, I, I, laziness is not the right word, but a laziness about his game that yesterday that, that I, don't, I don't know what it, what, what's up with that. I really don't. Yeah, it's a weird one, but players can be um, inconsistent at times, and the best ones just aren't. The best ones are like Hazard, where you know you know what you're going to get. I think the perfect example of inconsistency is uh, Mkhitaryan. I think in the first half he displayed, um, you know, the fact that he could be the best and the worst player on the pitch simultaneously. He was shocking at some points, and then he turned the game for us. You know, yes. he he was brilliant in in getting it back to two two. Um, 
and and another uh, another guy for us that I thought was brilliant as well was Gwendozi. I, I you know really thought he played very well, and I think he's performing well above expectation. But what frustrates me is that I think Emery got the uh, lineup wrong from the start. I I can't believe that you know unfortunately Xhaka was playing uh, yet again when uh, we had um, Torreira on on the bench, and I I really thought Torreira was. You know, this is kind of a perfect game for Torreira to show what he can do. And I think we did look better when he came on. But what frustrates me is the way we lost the game in the end. Because I do think Arsenal and Chelsea were both better, even though the game wasn't better. We were both better after the, um, after the half-time break. But the frustrating thing for me is that when Lacazette came on and he passed the ball to you guys. And if you watch that back, you know, you said you've watched the game back a few times, but if, if you watch it one more time from an Arsenal fan's point of view, when you see Lacazette's lack of effort, um, it, it's criminal. It really is unacceptable. And, and that really, really did get to me because um, he's, he's come on to try and win us the game because he's a good finisher. And usually he's very good when he loses the ball or even just normal tracking back, even when he's just doing the job for the team. He's very good at putting pressure on players and winning the ball back. But he was so frustratingly just, uh, just it was no effort. It was absolutely just going through the motions when he lost the ball and um, just jogged back. And he, he, I think he had about three opportunities to try and put in a meaningful challenge after losing the ball, but didn't. And ultimately that's how he scored the goal. So it's fine margins of football, but... Um, at that point, you had Hazard on the pitch who was able to take advantage of that. And that's what happens when you, you know, don't do the right things in a game like Lacazette did. And then when you're faced with world-class players that will absolutely punish you for those sort of mistakes. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I'm going to, I'll, I'll watch it back um, and, and definitely take a look at it from, from your perspective. Um, there, I, I have a few more questions before I let you go, Mo. And again, sure thank you so much for your time. One player that I have on the top of my list for you guys that might not be there next year, uh, if things don't change quickly for him, is Mesut Ozil. How did you see his play yesterday? Because I, I, I quite honestly, for portions of that game, large portions of that game, forgot that he was even on the team. Yeah, he wasn't good enough yesterday. And uh, it's a criticism that has been uh, levied on him a few times in the past that he doesn't kind of dominate uh, enough games and uh, I think yesterday yeah he, he wasn't good enough Ozil is a player that people always always look at and, and that's because we all know how good he is he has got an incredible amount of, amount of talent but I personally think that Mesut Ozil it's not hard with him you just have to look at when he's been at his best and uh, that's when he was playing with a player like Ronaldo who is constantly so much pace and for Arsenal to have no wingers for Ozil to kind of be able to feed and, and you know, set up attacks through. I, I just think we we really should be trying to build a system around Ozil. And we, we've just always failed to do that. I don't think he's ever truly been given um, the, the system in which to really flourish at Arsenal. But even saying that, when you look at his record since joining Arsenal, he has been brilliant. You know, you, no one has created more chances than him. No one's got more assists than him. You know, I, I read a statistic the other day that he's got five assists to go and then he would have caught up Paul Scholes. And you look at the difference in games that these two guys have played. I mean, look, it, it just speaks for itself. Mesut Ozil is a very good player, but he, um, 
he didn't play well yesterday. And I think for all players, it's just going to take time for them to adapt into Sari's system. Uh, sorry, um, Emery's system. Where I will kind of say, look, no, it's not about time. It's not a- about adaptation. It's just about basics. Is incidents like Lacazette yesterday where he didn't put in the required effort. effort. You know, it doesn't matter what system you're playing in. The minimum that you can do, irrespective of the level you're playing at and the manager you're playing for, the system you're playing in, is to just put in that effort. And he didn't do that yesterday. So, Ozil, I'll say, do you know what, fine, it doesn't matter. We'll, you know, we'll wait and see how you fit in. And when I think he'll be at his best is if we ever play him in the number 10 role behind two strikers. But we'll wait and see if he's given that opportunity to flourish in a system that would really suit him. Yeah, and I, I, w- I found it very bizarre um, against us and against Manchester City how deep and how wide that he was playing. Again, I, 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 yeah. don't, I don't know why uh, that was. I, I'm not in Emery's uh, board meetings with the players or anything like that. I'm not there, but I found it very, very bizarre. So my question to you is, Mo, where does Arsenal go from here? What what What... Where, where do you guys go from here? You know, I, for me, you won't catch me on Arsenal fan TV this season throwing my toys out the pram because it's simply a case of, look, Emery, first season, as long as it doesn't get any worse, then you've got a free season. And when I say as long as it doesn't get any worse, that means sixth is, for me, bottom. If, if we finish any worse off than sixth, I think that's unacceptable because I feel like, there's a clear, clear difference between the top six in this league and then the seventh place team. So Arsenal, I'm allowing Arsenal in Emery's first season, given that we finished sixth last year, to not get any worse. And in the season following that, I think there'll be more expectation. But it is very difficult because I have to constantly remind myself, when I was watching Arsenal against you guys yesterday, um, playing out from the back and repeatedly failing to, to do that properly and you know, it takes away momentum from us. It gives you momentum. It, um, you know, when, when Bellerin gets it or Monreal gets it on the, on the side and they just have to just boot it up the pitch because they've run out of options, it's not good for confidence. It's not good for that player's morale. And, you know, when it's a, an attacking player on the opposite team constantly pressuring that player into giving the ball away, making mistakes, they start to feel like they're winning that battle. So I feel like, it's going to be very, very difficult for Arsenal until that system starts to work. And I get frustrated from it, and I, and I get, I have, as I say, I have to remind myself, because I think to myself, stop doing it, and then I think to myself, no, it's not about this game. There's a bigger project going on here. Emery, in you know, next season, if this is still happening, I'll be furious. But I'm going to take it on faith that this is all just trial and error, and eventually it will come good, and Emery will have the boys playing in a way that, you know, I want to be almost like the envy of the country, playing out from the back effortlessly and building attacks and cancelling out five of the opposition players because they've tried to play a high press that was just passed around. So that's my expectations from Arsenal this year. That's where we go from here. We just stay patient. We allow him time in a non-pressure environment. We don't jump on our players' backs. Um, but that will not happen because we're Arsenal fans. So, <laughs> I mean, I, that's my commitment that I will not, you know, um, start losing my rag. But I, I don't think it will be matched by a lot of other people. Uh, well, I, I, 
It's gonna be. A, it's gonna. It's. Listen, both of our clubs are in a similar uh, situation. It's a transition year. Um, I just think that our club is way more used to transition. I mean, no, what club outside of United can 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 even? I mean, who do you guys relate to other than United of how, having a manager for so long has meant so much for your club, and then after all of that, now you have to you have to you know be so, be another something else. I mean, shit. Yeah, even even I in our first preseason game when we played against you guys this summer, when they panned the sidelines and they showed Emery, I'm like, who the hell is that? Where's Arson? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and it's not just it's not just the manager. They've been changed throughout the club, absolutely throughout the club. Even in the playing staff, you know, we've got rid of so many people, and you know, it will it will not happen overnight. And uh, it's just the thing that we need to keep on telling ourselves. So there's. I think Arsenal fans, we're, a lot of us are saying the right thing. We're saying, no, I'm going to back the manager. I'm going to give him time. But when you back the manager, the, what that really means is that you back his decisions, you back his judgment calls, you, you back the players that he picks. It's not a case of, oh, I'll back the manager, but this person is crap and that person is crap and why did he do this and why did he do that? There's plenty of decisions I disagree with of his yesterday. I feel like he lost the tactical battle. I felt like he should have started Torreira, potentially even Ramsey as well. I think he should have started. Loads of uh, things like that. But ultimately, backing the manager means that you give him time and you patient with him. Yep, yep, I understand. Um, well, Mo, um, I don't have any more. I don't have any more uh, questions for you. I just want to again thank you so much for you know your time thank you so much for coming on i and 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 i can understand you not wanting to come on you're like first of all it's a new first of all it's a new podcast second of all it's for a rival team i don't know what to expect i don't know if i'm gonna get on there and the first thing the guy's gonna do is clown me especially after (laughs) yesterday's victory uh for chelsea so i i again massive amount of respect and uh, I would love to have you on, uh, you know, again next time we, that Arsenal and Chelsea play. Yeah, more than happy to do that. And hopefully it'll be an Arsenal win. But, look, you know, good luck with the podcast. Uh, you're clearly very passionate as well. And um, for me, I've never really cared about whether it's a big or a small podcast, you know. So um, all the best to you. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully next season when we're talking about Chelsea-Arsenal again and um, we look at your podcast, hopefully it'll be even bigger and better. So I wish... Your fortunes to go sky high, the fortunes of your club to drop through the floor. <laughs> but, you know, hey, that's how it is. Listen, uh, Mo, thank you so much for those words. But, however, the last portion of that uh, statement, I don't see it <laughs> happening, my man. I just see the future is yeah. very blue for us. I, I, I don't know. As long as long as we continue down this trajectory, I think uh, both my podcast and the fortunes and futures for Chelsea Football Club will continue to be sky high. And, uh, you know, just like London, I, I, I feel like... You know, the future is very blue for for uh, for both the podcast and London. We will see. <laughs> Mo, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Perfect. Cheers. All right. Thank you so much. All right. That was the interview with the homie Mo from Arsenal Fan TV. Massive amount, massive amount of respect uh, to him. He didn't have to come on here. He did me a favor, especially after a defeat at home, uh, at, at the bridge, he didn't have to come on here, um, and he did, 
He's a stand-up guy. He's absolutely a stand-up guy. So, again, thank you to Mo. Also, thank you to my first five-star review on iTunes. Uh, it's a gentleman. I think it's a gentleman. I, I, I swear to God I'm going to mess up this dude's name. But it's Derlem Key. D-E-R-L-E-M-K-E. Gave me a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you so much, my man. Or person i say my man but that's that does that goes both ways it could be a female as well i appreciate anybody listening to the podcast and damn to go out of your way to leave a review because i personally i i i don't leave very many reviews that's something i gotta change um thank you thank you to to whoever you are thank you for leaving that review and if you guys feel ever so inclined to leave me a review on itunes or any of the any of the other podcasting platforms, please do. Um, I appreciate it. It actually helps out a lot uh, with the podcast. So that's all I got uh, for the post match review. Again, thank you to Mo. I will talk to you guys again Wednesday. I'm pretty sure I got somebody lined up for Wednesday. I am absolutely sure I have a pre match. Uh, podcast with Kyle from Newcastle Fan TV, and I'll talk to you guys on Sunday after that. So just keep I'm gonna keep hitting you with podcasts over the head, one after the other, one after the other podcast, one after the other. So, oh man, thank you guys. Have a great day. I love you. I love you, each and every single one of you. Um. You know, enjoy your day. If you're not following me on Twitter, please follow me on Twitter. All American Chelsea TFC. I'm on Instagram, All American Chelsea or All American TFC. Reach out, hit me up. You message me, I'll message you right back. So enjoy the rest of your day. I'm out. What have I learned since getting richer? I learned working with the negatives to make for better pictures. I learned Hennessy and enemies is one hell of a mixture. Even though it's fucked up, girl, I'm still fucking with you. Damn, is it the fall? Time for me to revisit the past. It's women to call. There's albums to drop. There's liquor involved. There's stories to tell. We've been through it all. Yeah. Interviews are like confessions. Get the fuck up out my dressing room. Confusing me with questions like, do you love this shit? Are you high right now? Do you ever get nervous? Are you single? I heard you fuck your girl. Is it true? You getting money? You think them niggas you with is with you? And I say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Fucking right, fucking right, all right. And we say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Fucking right, fucking right, all right. Uh, so much for being optimistic. They say love is in the air, so I hold my breath till my face turn purple. Keep a few bad bitches in my circle. My nuts hang like ain't no curfew. Bitch, if you wave, then I will serve you. I flew jet. She flew commercial, but we still met. Later that night, after my session, she came over. I was aggressive and she was sober. I gave her a pill. She started confessing and started undressing and asked me to hold her. And so I did, but that was last month. And now she's texting me asking for closure. Damn, she say this shit gon' catch up to me. I keep tissue paper. We eat each other whenever we at the dinner table. She say she hate that she love me and 
and she wish I was average. Shit, sometimes I wish the same, and I wish she wasn't married. Promises. I hope I never break them. Met a female dragon, had a fire conversation, but interviews are like confessions. Get the fuck up out my bedroom, confusing me with questions like, do you love this shit? Are you high right now? Do you ever get nervous? Are you single? I heard you fuck your girl. Is it true? You getting money? You think the niggas you with is with you? And I say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Fucking right, fucking right, all right. And we say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Fucking right, damn right, all right. And we say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Fucking right, fucking right, all right. And we say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Fucking right.